Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander and this is Knee Deep in Tech. Simon and I have not been able to be at the same place at the same time for a while as we've both been traveling, but I took it upon myself to record two interviews with two amazing people that I met at the PASS Summit in Seattle here in 2018. So without further ado, here are two interviews with Eugene Meindiger and Angela Tidwell. Enjoy. And we are joined now by Eugene Meidiger. Eugene, welcome to Knee Deep in Tech. Yeah, I'm happy to be on the show. Happy Quite to have excited. you. So, Eugene, tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, why you're here. Yeah, so uh, if you had asked me three months ago what I do, it would be completely different. Because, okay. uh, so, I tell everyone I'm a BI consultant. And ostensibly, that's what I did before. But honestly, I was supporting a bunch of internal legacy stuff. So, I only maybe like 10% of my time was doing external work for customers. A lot of it was supporting VB6 and classic ASP and all that kind of stuff. VB6? Um, VB6, yes, no. I could put it on my resume. It's not It's not fun. That I call that project the graveyard of technologies, right? We had Adobe Flex, VB6, classic ASP, and MySQL. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so migrating from SQL Server to MySQL for an ERP system run, written by another like regular company, not an ISV or anything like that, was interesting. So now I work for me. So I have a terrible boss. Um, and so my primary source of income is making Pluralsight courses. So mm -hmm. you've got a course on Pluralsight, on Power BI. I've got three out now. And every time I put one out, it's out of date by the time I hit publish. But uh, I was just about to say that. It was literally two weeks before they completely broke uh, the prereqs for my course. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's a challenge as a trainer. But that's, um, that's my main source of income. But I do some consulting on the side. And uh, honestly, it's, a, it's an adventure right now. So, speaking of Power BI, because yep. there are so many parts to Power BI. Yeah. I mean, it's it's everything from the, the visuals with, with DAX. You have the data prep stuff with M or Power Query. Yep. Then you have the design and organizational um, structure when it comes to um, security and, and stuff. Where do you concentrate? What do you do? Or do you do the whole stack? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. So... I think three years ago, I kind of realized that everybody has one thing they're super good at, right? Mm -hmm. So you think of David Klee, for example, and he's the VMware guy, yep. right? And Brent, you think of him, and he has goofy characters on his website. Um, and so everyone has that, you know, something. Is, and so I was like, I need to be good at a thing. I'm going to become good at Power BI. Um, my focus uh, is a little bit of everything with there, but I think the hardest part for me is making it look pretty. I'm, I'm kind of a coder by background. And so, you know, the, the data prep piece is what makes the most sense to me. So M and DAX is, is kind of what I have the most affinity for, but just trying to cover it all. And, and you're right, there's a lot of moving pieces. And what's worse is that Power BI has what I call an iceberg problem, because the part that we see is that top 10%, right? But if you want really pretty visuals, pay $1,000 for Tableau, right? Because in a lot of ways, they're still the gold standard, but you also pay a gold price. Um, Whereas with Power BI, I think a lot of the value add is actually the infrastructure piece, right? So you you made a course on on security and the fact that it's able to integrate with Active Directory or the fact that you can have row-level security with SSAS on-premises, all these different pieces, you can kind of build out the right solution for you. So I, I think it's exciting, but yeah, I'm a little bit all over the place right now. This is quite interesting to hear because I came up from the database side and I think you did too, right? Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, uh, I always wanted to do software engineering. I always wanted to be a coder, but I kind of came in as an accidental DBA. My previous job, I could I could spell SQL, and suddenly I was the DBA. Oops. Yeah. 
hate when that happens. It's worked out so far, but I sure I had to. Uh, my first week, I had to Google what a store procedure was, so it was it was oh. a learning curve. Yeah, I didn't know what store procedures were, views were, or database functions were. So you know, that was a challenge. quite a lot of developers today still don't. <laughs> that's that's my view right. of things. Now, coming up from from the data side, I think has given the two of us kind of unique insights into BI since. Right. There's so many BI people coming from the other side of just going with, with data. They don't know what is data on the technical side. Mm. Why should you secure it? Why do you need to munch it? Why do you need to, to prep it right. in order to do some actual work on it? And having the data background, I think it's easier to, to, to talk to kind of the, the, the people that has to do both. Right. And... Um, People ask me, how do I get into to Power BI and how do I get into um, to BI? And I don't have a good answer. You can either come from from, from the other side, uh, aka the, the, uh, the visual side, or you can come from the data side. Right. And, or you can come from the infrastructure side. There's so many ways to, to toy. And you put it very well, the, the iceberg problem. Right. So, I mean, in, in my opinion, the, the biggest challenge, at least whenever I was learning a lot of this stuff, is understanding what a, a real business problem looks like and understanding some of those common problems. So I think the best thing in a lot of ways is to, if you can, try and start with the modeling side of it and if at all possible, have some sort of real data. Even if it means go get data from Stack Overflow and figure out actual reports you might do or talk to somebody in business because there's a lot of things that come up that you would never think of. So. I'll give you an example. The company I used to work for, did, uh, it was weird organizational structure. There was a fire protection company and an IT company owned by the same people. Goofy. But the fire protection company, they would do inspections. And so you would have technicians who had to go out on a site and they'd go to all and look at all these devices and there'd be different systems and they'd be uh, treated or inspected at different intervals. So some you would do every year, some you would do every five, and then there'd be others that you would do every six or whatever. And those are things I might not normally ever think of. So I think the best way to get a good footing is to find real business problems. And, and that can be hard because, you know, the AdventureWorks database, the sample database provided by Microsoft, is for this fictional bike company. Um, I think that's the best way because with things like visualizations, it's, in my opinion, easier to, to muddle your way through. Whereas if you've got a bad model and you don't understand, say, granularity, you don't understand that, oh, this header table and this line item table should be separate. It's really, really hard to just brute force your way through that because you don't know what the problem is. Um, a book I can recommend, uh, there's a modeling book for DAX by the Italians. The I'll, Italians. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, Alberto Ferrari and Marco Russo. I, I think it's analyzing data with Excel and, and DAX or something like that. I forget the name. It's easy to find. And I loved it because I've learned things ad hoc, right? Mm -hmm. I think of those little... Um, like hermit crabs or whatever that just put stuff on their shell and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And this was really nice because it talked about every chapter was a real business problem. It was, here's why you would do it this way. So I think the modeling place is the easiest place to, to come in because then you have a firm footing. Sure. And I agree with that. And speaking of modeling, and this is kind of an interesting one. Yep. Either you can have your source data in, let's go with SQL Server Analysis Services. Sure. Or you could have it in, in SQL Server or any other database. Or you could have it in Power BI. And now we have the data flows. Where should you have your kind of mastered data, in your opinion? 
Well, so this is going to be a boring answer, but I would start with looking at the, the skill set of the team. Right. Because it, it's funny. When I talk about Power Query, a lot of the features in there aren't designed for someone who has their data in SQL. Right. So a perfect right. example is um, there's, a, I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine that whenever you represent a date, in your home country, mm -hmm. you know, you start with the day and then the month and the year. And then here in the United States, we have that backwards. And if you were to hand me a CSV file, if I wanted to pull in that data, I'd have to know how you have that date formatted. Sure. Right? Whereas if it's in SQL Server, I don't have to figure that out. Because hopefully, you don't have it in some text string, but you have it in a, in a date type. Hopefully. hopefully. No promises. Yep. yep. Um, and so it's interesting that a lot of the features with Power Query are for Chris and accounting who's living in OneDrive. Right, like I'm doing volunteer work for an organization, and we're stuck in OneDrive and in, in spread marts and flat files and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So my first thought is look at where your skill set is, and then the second thought is think, okay, where are we on the spectrum between self-service or wild wild west and centralized data governance or bureaucracy? Right. You know, there's there's pros and cons, and I think that's the other guiding piece. What's inevitably going to happen a lot of times is that there, you know, Microsoft likes the phrase Power BI's grow up story. But as the reports become more popular or you're dealing with financial data or something that's audited, you're going to need more controls, more QA, more centralization. So I think the natural progression is it starts in things like Power BI or Excel or whatever. And as more people use it, then you need to start looking at centralization. So SQL Server and then an actual analysis model on top of that or what have you. So that would be my advice. Start with skills and then look at how centralized you actually need. If you're a five-person company... You can live out of Excel. You'll you'll be okay. You may feel some pain in a few years, but it'll work. Sounds reasonable enough. Yeah. So, is there any considering it's it's uh, Power November? Yes. Uh, so power November. Yes. I think it was Arun that said that the the um he's the principal PM for for Power BI, I think. I I I forget I forget who's in charge, but I, I know Amir Nets has been doing a lot of talking about it. There's been enough, there's been a lot of memes about Power Vember and all yes. the features coming out this month. And speaking of the all the, the interesting features, which one if you have to choose one? If I have to choose one. Yes, just one. Which one would you say sticks out the most for you? Um, so for me it's definitely data flows. I got to see Matthew Roche do a presentation on them last or last month, late last month, I believe. And the thing is I wrote this conspiracy theory blog post about how Microsoft's trying to take over the world, and I see them moving more and more stuff to Power BI, but moving Power Query out of just the sidekick for DAX, right? Because whenever I would present normally about Power Query, I'd say wherever DAX is, Power Query is not far behind. But you see that they're they're moving into other places, so they added it to Flow, right? So now it's in Flow, which is very heavily designed for again Chris and accounting, that business user. They're talking about having data flows. And so now you can have, as you move along that spectrum, like I talked about, of self-service to centralization, now there's an answer for, okay, I want somewhere in the middle for my data model. I want to be able to have my data cleaned up in somewhere, but in a way that maybe we can push out some of that work to some of the business users and things. So the thing I'm most excited about right now is is the data flows because I, I see the strategic impact that it's going to have. Yeah, and... I think it was two years ago we met the first time, just so. as you did your uh, your Power Query M um, session. It was downstairs in Skagit. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was in the like the the basement under the stairs, covered and that sort of thing. Kind of Harry Potter. Yes, style. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I remember very vividly that we were discussing where Power Query was and if Power Query would ever come 
to be kind of uh, standalone. Its own thing, do. yes. Right. And here we are two years later and we have data flows. Yeah. Now, I'm still waiting for the day they make it so I can pull data in a SQL server with Power Query. Yes, I will please. be extraordinarily excited. I mean, a simple example. Um, again, at my old company, I had to help support a mobile application. And again, a lot of legacy technology. And so the web API for this mobile application was just classic ASP that was spitting out giant gobs of XML. And so when I had to troubleshoot why wasn't a work order showing up for a technician, mm -hmm. if I had to pull that data into SQL, giant pain. But I could literally just bust out Power Query and get the data very quickly in a clean format. Or another example, we had salespeople. And we wanted to be able to compare sales to budget information. The budget information was not in some accounting system. It was in Excel. And it looked more like an art canvas than it did a data <laughs> format, right? Right. And I had to manually like munge the data and get it in the SQL the first time giant pain. But these days, I could very, very easily get the data the way I want it with Power Query in five minutes, 10 tops, right? So I see a lot of capability. It's nice to see that it's not just, like I said, the sidekick for DAX. I will be delighted. I will dance on camera for whenever they add it so that you can pull data straight into SQL with it. I, I hear you. And on that kind of bombshell, it is time to end. Thank you very much for oh, coming you're on. You're very welcome. It's absolutely and a pleasure. I hope you have a great flight back home. Thank you very much. Take care. Yep. And we are joined now by Angela Tidwell. And we are recording at PAS Summit in Seattle in 2018. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. We are going to talk data science. And what is data science? Um, data science, I think, is a sometimes loosely used term. Mm -hmm. However, I've been doing the data, the Microsoft professional program uh, for data science, and so I've been learning a lot of different ways to um, manipulate and use data um, to get uh, advanced analytics for machine learning, AI. So we use uh, SQL, R, Python, um, lots of different languages together. So you you managed to pretty much take the whole gamut of what's considered cool today and put into one sentence. You have SQL, you have R, you have Python, um, advanced analytics, machine learning. What would you say is the, uh, the point of data science? What are you trying to achieve? Oh, the, the point of data science, I believe, is taking information that we gather, mm -hmm. so uh, numbers and letters, and uh, using that information to formulate stories. So telling... Um, telling users what their data is uh, gathering for them, so telling the story that the data that the data is gathering. So basically, making making sense of the data that we've been spending so many years collecting, and generally not knowing what to do with. Exactly, it's like throwing a lot of words into a pile mm -hmm. and then gathering out the words you need to make a sentence. Cool. Well. Um, Tell us a little about yourself. We've met a couple of times here at the summit, but our listeners don't have a clue. Who, who are you? What do you do? Oh, my name is Angela, of course. Um, I started working in the data industry uh, two years ago, actually, as a marketing DBA. So I was uh, working in the legal field as a paralegal for several years and decided I wanted to, to um, experience more technical parts of my life. Mm -hmm. So I started learning SQL and started uh, learning in uh, data science and uh, became a marketing DBA. 
And I was doing that for two years. And then I've recently finished the Microsoft Professional Program for Data Science. And the MVP for Data Science, which incidentally is something that I'm I'm going to be done with any year now. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, it's probably going to be done about the same time as my R2-D2 is done. <laughs> and I've been spending way too much time with that. Uh, could you talk about that program and what it's about, how it's designed, how much time you spend on the different parts of it? Yes, yes. Um, Microsoft has partnered with edX. It's edx.org.org. Mm -hmm. And they have these classes that you can take. There are several different classes. Um, there's 10 together for the data science program. So you take these 10 classes ranging from, um, say, so you learn SQL, you learn Power BI. Um, there's an ethics class for data uh, regulation, which is an excellent class I think everyone should take. Um, learning how to use Python, learning how to use R, and then there's also machine learning and Azure Machine Learning Studio. It's a huge gamut of information you can gather and ways you can use it. Um, also Excel courses. Mm -hmm. All of these courses are absolutely free. You can take these courses and learn these things for free. If you want to um, get a certification in these courses, right. then you'll go to the end and you'll pay the, I believe it's $99 per course. Okay. Um, so it, it's a fantastic learning tool. Everything on edX is free. And you can learn, there's a lot of different things. You can learn to be a sysadmin there. Um, there's um, uh, artificial intelligence classes, which is what I'm going to be doing next to get a Microsoft, um, an MPP in um, artificial intelligence as Really? Well. Yeah. I knew about the big data one, but I did not mm -hmm. know about the AI. Interesting. It's new. I believe it. I believe it was this year they launched it. Oh, well, that means that I have my goals set out for a couple of years to go. Yeah. Nice. That's one of the one of the good things with working in the field of data is that you are never bored. That's true. And one of the bad things with working with data is that you are never bored. Everything changes. These classes are set up so that you you can watch videos, and then you. Um, take tests over them and you do labs and you take a final test mm -hmm. just like just like if you're going to university right. you have your instructors you have your labs you have your tests um, a lot of times I will notice that the instructors um, are teaching something different than what's on the test because the instructors the um, power BI something new has come out yes. so they re-recorded it and the test would be they haven't changed the test yet mm. or the test you know something was just recently deprecated on the test so it's it's evolving very quickly it is and we were talking just the other day and you said that the ethics class was a very interesting one absolutely and i i've not got into that yet so could you talk about what what is about and what kind of impact did you have for you yes it's a, a a class on the ethical collection and use of data and i uh, be, having a, a legal background, of course, I have several ethics courses. Mm -hmm. However, this one was really eye-opening because I had not thought about the ethical collection of data. Right. Um, a lot of times you will get just a lot of data, um, names, birth dates. Um, sometimes there's um, race, height, weight. And depending on how you use that data and how you interpret that data, mm -hmm. it can have um, hidden biases. So using that ethically and what you should do with that or what you should not do with that. 
Interesting. It's very. I think every data professional out there, everyone should have should do this class. It's yeah. very intriguing. I w- I would definitely agree, and that was not part of the MPP when I started it about a year ago. Right. And about a year ago, the basic statistics course was a, um, a requisite part of the 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 um, the, the, um, the MPP. It is not anymore. Correct. Which is a good thing, because then maybe I can get through the darn program. Because I, <laughs> I beat my head against the wall for that statistics course. And I consider myself reasonably intelligent, but I did not consider myself very intelligent after failing that course twice. I believe that Microsoft got a lot of feedback that the course was just too difficult. Oh, really? Um, for for Especially for what they were doing, because... That math you will use Mm -hmm. in machine learning. Mm -hmm. However, you don't have to do that in machine learning yourself. You just use a function. You don't have to go through the statistics yourself. There is a class. It's um, mathematics for machine learning, essential mathematics for machine learning, Mm -hmm. that is part of this class. Or that is part of this. It it, It is very math intense, but it is not as difficult as the statistics class was. Good to know. Good to know. So, having come into this field fairly recently mm-hmm. and deciding to go from a DBA job into a data science role, what are your views on where are we going with the whole data thing? I mean, I've, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I just recently started a move towards the data science track as well. And what what made you decide not to pursue a classic DBA career, if you will. I could see the importance of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, just just seeing what is out there, just see, watching the news and how much data is collected and yep. what people are doing with data um, and how much information can be gleaned and forecasted. I'm very much a forward thinker. So I thought, well, of course, that would be fantastic for me to be able to uh, visualize what this data is trying to say tell the story, and then from there also be able to forecast where we should go, um, what segment of the population, let's say, is at risk for serious health diseases mm-hmm. because of their, um, um, because of what they eat or the, the area of the country in which they live. Maybe the pollution is so great. Mm-hmm. So if we can forecast that in the next 20 years there's going to be this serious outbreak of you know some kind of disease mm-hmm. then we can take actions now today to clean up the pollution or to change the way we eat or to um, make sure that we don't use certain pesticides in your food yeah so how would you approach such um a project from from a very high level perspective so you you would probably start collecting data Right. Uh, And there's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of data. Uh, Say if you wanted to do um, a project to find out what area of the country is more at risk for uh, pollution-induced health risk. There's a lot of data, especially in the USDA. So, you know, the the U.S. government has a lot of data. They collect data on everything. Mm -hmm. So you can actually go scrape their sites. It's up there. It's free. It's public resource. You can just grab it and 
the thing about um, data science and machine learning is it's not all completely technical. Mm -hmm. You have to be kind of an artist, as you will, with, with the data. You have to find out, kind of finesse it and find out what kind of information is there and what you can possibly do with it. So it takes a lot of data collection as well as a lot of um, insight and imagination. How would you say um, it, it's, it's easier to teach someone how to do something. Mm -hmm. It is way harder to teach them why. And looking at data, how do you how do you know what questions you can ask of the data? Trial and error. Really? Just trial and error. Look and see what you have. So if you have um, names and birth dates and let's say financial information, mm -hmm. from those three things, I can say, well, from this information, maybe I can figure out what their spending habits would be uh, certain times of year. So around right. their birthday or right. around um, um, holidays. Mm -hmm. So I could forecast, well, they're going to spend this much in December, so I'm going to market to them in November. Right. So you just have to look at the data that's created or that's collected to see what's there and then just use your imagination. And it really is just trial and error. Uh, finding uh, finding out what it's saying. Yeah. And and speaking of saying, I mean, data is great. I love data. But data without being able to convey this data to stakeholders is kind of use, useless. Right, right. How much of the, the MPP in, in, in um, general and, and the data science in, in particular is geared toward technical storytelling, data storytelling? Quite a bit of it, actually. Okay. Um, I chose the uh, direction of Power BI, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. You can take data and make pictures out of it. Oh, yeah. Everyone loves pictures. Pictures uh -huh. are easy to understand. Bar graphs, lines, um, you know, pie charts. And so taking that information and putting it in pictures that are easily understandable can give you an instant summary is fantastic. Yep. And uh, that is a large part of at least one part of the data science program. Are you using Power BI more from a, a static perspective where you create a, a very good looking static report or are you using it as you speak, so to, so to speak? and drilling down into the data when you're conveying your, your data story? It depends, uh -huh. really, which is a great thing we say in the SQL community. Yes. Right? It depends. Um, it really depends on, you know, what is going on, the people that you're talking to. Uh, let's say you're giving a, a you know, a, a presentation to your stakeholders, mm -hmm. um, and they really want to dig down and you want to give them all the information possible. Yeah. Then, then absolutely, it's a fluid kind of thing, and you can uh, dig down and, and drill down into more and more data that you have programmed, you know, in. Um, or if you just want to give, um, you know, a real short summary to maybe not the stakeholders, but but but, but maybe you know, like the the general public who mm -hmm. wants to know. You give a very high level. It's just going to be very static. Because right. you want to, you don't want to give too much information. Right? No, no, and th right. that's that's a very good point. I mean, information overload is an issue. Absolutely. And knowing what information is pertinent to this specific question. Yes. Then, of course, we have in, in Swedish at least there is a saying that there are statistics and there's damn statistics and then there's lies, and it's just. <laughs> part to the same same problem and of course right. you, you can you can really lie with data absolutely 
which is kind of fun. You can make the data say anything you want it to say. Yeah. Absolutely. Ethically, should you? There we go again. Ethics. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's a hashtag right there. Exactly. (laughs) And shifting gears a bit, you um, did a panel today. I did. Women in Technology, correct? Yes. Tell us about that. I was asked um, to to write a chapter to co-author a book, Mm -hmm. um, Voices Are Stories from the Trenches. It's just our experience as a diverse community. So it's not only women in technology on this book, but it's more of a diversity in technology. Mm-hmm. So we had people of various different ethnicities and um, sexual orientation yep. and um, uh, backgrounds. Right. And we, we, we all came together and we each wrote a chapter about something that we felt very uh, very strongly about in, in in stories that we wanted to tell to help someone else yep. um, handle something in their life, grow from our stories, maybe learn something, maybe maybe see a prejudice that they didn't know that they had, mm-hmm. be able to fix that, and also to, just to help uh, maybe their coworkers. Yeah. So um, my my chapter was not your wife, not your mother. Which um, everyone laughs when I say that. It's, it seems to be a common problem yeah. um, that women are looked at as just housekeepers mm-hmm. or just wives or just mothers. But we are absolutely so much more. Oh, yes. Yes. Which this whole, um, uh, this whole conference is a testament to. Absolutely. The, the, the number of women that I see every year keeps rising. And it's both young women, old women. We have, we have every kind of an ethnic, ethnicity, which is a hard word, by the way. That is a difficult word. <laughs> and which which makes me so happy that we have more representation because we have a lot of white male. Yes. We have enough white males, yeah. pretty much, especially the bearded ones from Sweden. <laughs> They're the worst. I don't think we have enough of theirs. Actually. Oh dear. The, when, whenever we talk beards, there's always going to be Rob Sewell. Just stepping up and say, yeah, mine's longer than yours. And that's the end of the discussion. Absolutely. <laughs> it's very I hate pointy. when that happens. Yes, very, <laughs> yes, very pointy. Very pointy. <laughs> ah. Well, it was awesome talking to you. And I'm, again, very happy that you came on. Thank you so much. It's great to find these amazing people to talk to. Thank you again.